This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Hello and welcome to the No Name Never football show and podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and joining me this week is analysis Tom Whitaker and our resident statistician, Statman Dave. We are looking back at that fantastic 3-0 victory at home to Wigan and ahead to a new midweek fixture away at Hull. It's been some week for the Clarets as they extend their league at the top of the EFL Championship table, edging tantalisingly closer to a return to the Premier League. We're all counting down now the number of games that we need before we can secure promotion. It's looking like it might be Easter weekend, which will be a massive weekend as the Clarets take on Middlesbrough and Sheffield United, who may very well be in a race of their own for an automatic spot. Join us as we look forward to another game. We also have a quick look at a certain transfer embargo, and we just generally delight in everything claret and blue. Let's go. So I am, as I mentioned earlier, joined by Tom Whitaker in the Analysis Show studio today. And for those of you listening to this show on the podcast, we will shortly be joined by our resident statistician, Dave Roberts, in the preview shoes, preview show studio, in his preview shoes. Um, goodness me, Tom, we're already two minutes into the football show and I'm tripping over my words. It's a good old fashioned known and ever podcast. Um, we're going to dive right in then and have a look at that fantastic win at home against Wigan. I've spent most of today going around telling people we won 4-0 when it was in fact 3-0 I think um, I was just hoping it was closer to the silly 5-0 6-0 results that I've been predicting all season um, another home win Tom um, another dominant ridiculously dominant display by the Clarets and um, free scoring goals for fun just looking here at some of the stats from the game um, extends that unbeaten run now to 16 league games. We are getting very close to the 23 undefeated. When can we start singing the undefeated song? What number do you reckon, Tom? I don't think it scans until you get to 21. That's when you start, I think. Yeah. 18, 18 doesn't quite work. Well, you can sing 18 games, can't you? 
16 games, um, 16 games, undefeated. I'm going to I'm going to set that off. Let's start that. So 16 games, unbeaten run. Um, after 36 games, we're now sit, still top of the table on 80 points. 80 points, goodness me. Um, still not lost at home all season, which is an incredible stat. We are 13 points clear of Sheffield United in second place. We are 17 points clear of Middlesbrough in third. There are just 10 games left now between um, today and the end of the the championship season and Burnley need a maximum 14 points from those 10 games to secure promotion. I suspect Tom that it won't. Need. Well, actually I don't know whether we will need 14 given the wobble that Sheffield United are having and the fact that Borough are chasing their tails. I do wonder whether that might keep Sheffield United as, as on it as they can be and mean that we probably will need the maximum 14 points. You know, if, if, if Sheffield United were already 10, 12 points clear of Borough, they might drop off a bit as well. What do you think? Yeah, well, looking at Sheffield United at the minute, they look really bad. Um, they do? They, they're not What's happening? All. No. Yeah. Even the games they're winning, you know, uh, Reading midweek, you know, they're scraping past. Uh, I think if it was me, I'd probably I'd be tempted to say Millsborough are more likely to get that second place at the mm. minute. But yeah. that's good for them. Obviously, it means it's less points needed to... To, to get the title so yeah, yeah I think uh, I think it's looking it's it's looking really good on that front yeah no I agree so I think if we say probably five things I'm just going to bring the table up while I'm talking to you here this is this is exceptionally professional um, football recording isn't it it's just like I don't know the top by heartlessness I'm going to have a look now so uh, the table is five yeah so if we look at Burnley fixtures. I think. Do we need? Think we need five then, Tom? If think, we're going to say yeah. fourteen points, so that would see us. If we beat Hull one, two, one, two, three, four. Oh, okay. So that takes us past the um, Easter weekend. But quite interestingly, what a weekend in terms of uh, Championship promotion. Good Friday, Burnley play Middlesbrough away. Easter Monday, Sheffield United at home. Neither one of those sides is going to relish the fact that Burnley are going to have such a key deciding factor in there. So I wonder whether if we beat Middlesbrough on the Good Friday, does that mean we can clinch it at Sheffield United? I wouldn't be surprised if winning one or both of those games is what gets us over the line. Yeah, Fine. I agree. yeah. nice way to do it as well, live on Sky against the yeah, arrival. Exactly. I, I did see. It's a nice position to be in to be quibbling. What it's we're not saying are we going to go up? Are we going to win the league? It's it's what game are we going to? Isn't it amazing? I know, and none of us, even you, Tom, with because I remember what you were like. You were on such a Debbie Downer at the beginning of the season. We had to give you a bit of a group hug because you were feeling all miserable about the claret. So yeah, it is very nice. Um, Yeah, I did see a tweet actually um, not so long ago, which made me laugh quite a lot. Um, it was Sky's fixtures over the next couple of months and Burnley are just on TV all the time. And I think somebody tweeted it and said, oh, nice to see Sky covering all bases to make sure that they capture Burnley's promotion back to the Premier League. I was like, yes. They've literally put everything... In that window of the games, like those five or six games that they think that Burnley can either win the title or get promoted, every single game is televised, which is rather wonderful for us. So, um, let's go back to the game then. Uh, Tom, two goals for Nathan Teller, taking his tally to 16 for the season. Um, and one for Lyle Foster, which I'm very happy about. We'll come on to him in a minute. First and foremost, I don't think many of us predicted Nathan Teller to be our goal scorer, uh, leading goal scorer by the end of the season, did we? No, I think when, when he was brought in, um, you think of him as a, a, a pacey winger and it was obviously a position we were quite light in. 
you know, there's quite a few <laughs> seasons we've been like, aren't we, on that? <laughs> Not <laughs> anymore. We had no wingers, didn't we? And then, like you say now, we seem to have nothing but wingers. But, yeah, I, you know, I was, I was, I had in my head. I suppose, really, we've, uh, as a club, we've not seen that many wide players who aren't the kind of beat your full back and cross the ball. Obviously, that's the job that a lot of them had under Dyche. And, uh, and obviously, if you go back to people like Glenn Little, and there were those kind of players. And obviously, the more modern wingers are the kind that sort of, you know, you think of someone like Mo Salah, who's normally yeah. playing on the left-hand side, but actually what he's doing is coming inside and scoring goals. And, and obviously, Tal is in that kind of modern mould. And uh, and he's really good at it. Um, scoring all kinds of goals, you know, long-range uh, tap-ins. Scored two with his head, which that's another one that you think. Me and my dad that's are talking. True. I think he scored like four or five with his head this season, which is, you wouldn't have thought that at all either. It's only so. a little one. Yeah, that's it. And he's, uh, and you know, you, you don't have him as someone who's going to out jump a, you know, a centre half. So, yeah, all all kinds of goals. Uh, you know, uh, some of these games as well. He's the, he's got something that some of our other players don't have. It's that ability to play on the shoulder. Yeah. Um, and it, it, in the kind of classic centre forward style, which I think the strikers we've got at the club aren't really those kind of players. Maybe, maybe Foster or Femi if they got a bit more of a run, but. Certainly not Barnesville Rodriguez with the ages they are. So, yeah, it gives us another dimension and uh, and his, his finishing is really good as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I've been really impressed with him. I do hope we keep him next season. I'm kind of a bit gutted about Southampton clawing themselves a bit, a little bit closer to survival because it might mean that they might get to, gets to stay. But you think I don't think Southampton are going to massively improve next season, whereas you'd think he'd want to stay with his current squad, wouldn't he, and, and play for Vincent Kompany. Um, I, I, I'm just... Going back to what we were saying before, I, I can't believe that we're actually talking about situations where players would rather play for us than somebody else. That's also never happened to us in about a decade. Um, sticking with strikers then, how important was it for Lyle Foster to not only get off the mark, but to do it in an incredibly impressive fashion? Um, fantastic little flick on from Obafemi to give him a, a really great strike. It wasn't just a scuffed over the line, you know, what a relief it's finally got in. He took it really well. Yeah, he did. I think uh, I think everyone could feel that he really needed that goal. There was yeah. a lot of, uh, especially after the Fleetwood game, I think, where he got a rare start and he didn't look very impressive. And that you started hearing more and more people questioning, you know, if we, if we bought a dud here, is he, is he going to fit in? <laughs> I thought he looked at um, Blackpool as well. You know, he didn't even get off the bench for that game. So then you think you can just company trust him. But I thought he looked really sharp. He was quite unlucky. There was a shot he had just before where he's, he's got his back to goal and he just flicks it up and hits it on the turn just past the post. Oh, but it yes. And he looked like he was confident. Um, so they've obviously done, you know, the team and, and the manager have obviously done well to keep his confidence high. You know, he's not afraid to try something. And then, like you say, the finish was absolutely fantastic. Obafemi does well to keep it alive, but he's still got so much to do from that angle. And like you say, it's not just... Uh, yeah, I'm sure he would have taken a, a, a scruffy little tapping, but it's not that at all. It's an absolutely fantastic first time volley's finish. Keeper's got no chance, and uh, yeah, you could tell everyone in the stadium was was really chuffed for him. His teammates really chuffed for him, and it's uh, it's going to do. Hopefully, it's going to do his confidence uh, the world of Gordon. Uh, it'll just stop, it'll just calm people down now. You know, it's before the talk was oh we spent eight million quid on this guy, but the the narrative changes a lot when you've scored a goal. I think, and uh, and now it's you know. He's he's one of the many goal scoring contributors contributors to a, a title winning season. Hopefully, that's the point. Another new goal scorer. So is that I number seventeen? Club, club record, I think, for the most for most goals, different goal scorers in a season. Wow, 
I'll ask Statman Dave when we when we get back to this, but I, th- I think that might be 17 for the season. I feel like the last one was when Obafemi scored. I'm sure I saw a tweet that said, like, goal scorer number 16 for the season. That feels about right. We'll we'll, we'll fact check that. I don't need to fact check that for your listeners because probably most of you know that more than I do. But uh, there you go. This is this is a day for us not getting our stats together before we came on air. But, you know, what else do you expect from us? It's known and ever. It, it's rogue charm. Um, at the other end of the pitch, Tom, um, two incredibly important and um, surprising saves that Mirich had to make um, from Wigan. One as a result of, of, of a point-blank shot and another one as a rare mistake from Ekdal as well. I was particularly impressed with that, given that for so many games this season, Murich has literally had nothing to do, to the point that we see him at the halfway line playing a midfield, centre midfield role because he's literally, it's just in the bounce because he's literally bored. Um, so for him to be that alert and to be able to pull out those saves when he had nothing else to do, when a keeper does that, that always really impresses me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you say, it's not just been that game where it was quiet it's the last few games. I think we've conceded three in, in the last 10, but I can't think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Many games where he's had to make loads of saves um, in, in those 10 games. Uh, I don't think Blackpool or Huddersfield have shot on target. So, as you say, and it's a game where, you know, I think we, we look pretty comfortable. Once once we went in front, you didn't think Wigan were going to get back into it. And then all of a sudden, this header out of nowhere. It's a really good strong hand to, to palm it away. And then the second save, it was, uh, and this is high praise for, for Murich, it was Nick Pope-esque, I thought. His angles were spot on. I remember with Nick Pope, it always used, it always used to be a case where you, an opposition striker would be three one-on-one and he always used to be really confident that he was going to save it, yeah. you know, even though the, the odds are against him. And, and it felt like that with Murich, he just looked, I mean, he's so unflappable anyway, so he's so calm, but he, he got his angle spot on. Um, he didn't him. give Fletcher anywhere to aim at and, and obviously stood up and, and again made a brilliant save and that's took us in one nil. It gave us a bit of a kick up the arse. We'll come out and score straight away in the second half and then the game's put to bed. So the, yeah, you deserves a massive amount of credit. The game just follows the same blueprint this season for me. It's like Burnley do the do what we've done for a long time, but just in a different way. We keep the game tight in the first half. We don't often unless the opportunity really presents itself. This Burnley side, they don't go out for the kill. They do pass it around a lot. They spend the first half just maintaining possession, but making the other side chase around for it. The amount of times, I've said this on the podcast before, that teams have gone in absolutely knackered at half-time because they've been chasing shadows and emotionally drained and just not wanting to come out for the second half. The second half, we've not really broken into a sweat yet and bang, 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 we just ruthlessly destroyed them. So it came as no surprise to see that we um, were once again very ruthless in that second half. Um, feel a bit for Wigan at the moment. I know they are, they're not Lancashire anymore. I know that there, are, there is a, a, an element of geographic local rivalry there. Um, troubles on and off the pitch um, for Wigan. A, a reminder, I think, to us, even though we're having the season that we are, that not all is well in all aspects of the football pyramid. And there are some teams out there struggling. Um, you know, on the pitch, reduced to 10 men, facing a relentless Burnley side. And, you know, for the fourth, I think it's the fourth time this season they've not been paid again this season. Um, considering that we ourselves in the last 24 hours had a minor wobble when we saw a headline about an EFL-imposed transfer embargo, um, it's just quite humbling sometimes to remind ourselves that there is a world outside the Premier League big boys and any of us could get dragged into it at any time. Yeah, it's, uh, it is very much, you know, they're, they're for the grace of God, you know, been in, 
all these kind of teams, Burnley, Wigan, Blackpool, Blackburn, Preston, we're all kind of similar sized clubs, aren't we, really? Yeah. And we've had the benefit of being really well managed for the last decade or so. And obviously, Wigan, after having so long with the chairman, who put a lot of money in and now kind of on the other end of the spectrum and lurching from one crisis to another. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, they got spanked on Saturday. They're, they're going to get relegated. But, uh, you know, you can say that as long as you've got a club to support. And, uh, and, it, and yeah, a, a result, a bad defeat, a relegation, it pales in comparison to the thought that, you know, you, you, you might not have a club and, and obviously we've seen that too often recently in the last few years so yeah my, my heart does go out to them I hope, I hope they do get it sorted and I hope that uh, that whatever division they're in next season they're, they're doing it on a on a stable footing and that they are actually still there in order to do it as well um, yeah. yeah here here um, I think all of us just want every club to to remain in the football league and just give them a chance to survive um, probably interesting one. We didn't really cover it on the podcast. I think we had a, a break when it came out, but perhaps the government's football regulator that comes in will help towards this sort of management in terms of uh, stopping the football world running away with itself and, and self-managing um, those interests from within. So, yes, um, any Wigan fans out there who are watching, um, our best wishes do go to you and we do genuinely hope that you get that sorted. Moving on, Thomas, we have another fixture. It's another midweek one. We all got very excited last week because we actually got the week off because there was no midweek game. It felt very, very nice. Um, we did try and get away with doing one podcast this week, listeners, but um, producer Matt was having none of it and made me and Tom show up for work today and, and do you a whole preview. Um, it's a Wednesday fixture, um, Wednesday the 15th of March. It's a 7.45 kickoff. It is live on the red button, I think. I think for those of you who can't make the trip um, over to Hull. Um, before we get on to the game itself, we need to do a little bit of housekeeping. We left you with a quiz question at the end of our Wigan preview. And that quiz question was, Wigan Athletic's current captain is a former Clarets defender in the form of Tendai Dariqua, who only ever scored one goal in a competitive match during his time with Burnley. Which team was it against? Now, we did have... A couple of correct answers here. We had uh, MJP7HUTC on Twitter. But we also had known and ever teams, Tom and Charlotte, who also got this right. So, Tom, why don't you give us what the answer was, please? Yeah, uh, I used to be quite good at the quiz and it's been a long time since I got one, so I was desperate to put my hand up. Uh, it was Reading. Uh, I remember it well. I think it was one of the one of the only home defeats we had that season, probably enough. I think he scored him, but... Yeah, Reading, yeah. I do. Uh, I was there. I do remember that game. Excellent. It was indeed Reading. So well done to everybody who got that right. Um, and if you want to have another crack at the next quiz question, you just need to hang around until the end of the show. And Dave will leave you with something else for this week's midweek homework. We're going to head over now to the preview show, preview show studio. And we're going to hand over to Dave Roberts, our resident statistician, who's going to give us the championship head to head. 23 of our 32 seasons in the same league as Hull City have been in the second tier. So with 22 passed away matches to look back on, we'd better get on and give you an overview without any further delay. Burnley failed to win on any of the eight visits to play second tier matches at Hull City prior to the First World War, losing five and drawing three. The first of these was in September 1905 at the Circle. This was a temporary ground, which usually hosted cricket matches, but the match finished 1-1. One, one. 
All of our remaining matches in Hull prior to the Second World War were played at Anleby Road. Burnley's next sequence of away matches at this level in the 1930s provided a hat-trick of away wins in consecutive seasons between 1933-34 and 1935-36. Cecil Smith scored the only goal in a 1-0 win in May 1934, and then in November 1934 we were 3-1 winners thanks to a first-half hat-trick from George Brown. The third of that run of three away wins was in January 1936, when Stephen Kilcar scored both of the Clarets' goals in a 2-1 victory. Our next meeting at this level was at Boothbury Park and took place in October 1971, but the result was the same, as Burnley were 2-1 winners thanks to goals from Paul Fletcher and Leighton James. Leighton James also scored the Burnley goal when the two teams met in Hull again in September 1972. Phil Holmes scored the opener for the home side, but it was Leighton James who put away the equaliser in the 84th minute. The Clarets then suffered a heavy 4-1 defeat in March 1977, as Malcolm Lord contributed a hat-trick for the home side. But 12 months later the tables were turned, as Burnley won 3-1 in March 1978, with goals from Paul Fletcher, Billy Ingham and a Peter Noble penalty. There are just seven matches left on our list and all of them took place this millennium and were all at the new Hull City Stadium which was had a variety of sponsors associated with it and was opened in 2002. We didn't win any of the first three of those as we drew 0-0 in April 2006 and that was followed by a 2-0 away defeat in December 2006. Future Claret Dean Marnie scored Hull City's opener in that match in the sixth minute. Our next visit was in March 2008, and the scoreline was another 2-0 defeat, with Burnley conceding twice in the first half. But the match was probably more memorable for a succession of four red cars in just six second-half minutes. Referee Mike Riley sent off Caleb Folan for an off-the-ball incident with Stephen Caldwell, who was also booked. He then committed another foul less than a minute later and was promptly dismissed for a second yellow. Just five minutes after that, a tussle between J.J. Okocha and Joey Goodjohnson resulted in a straight red for the whole man and a second yellow for Goodjohnson, meaning that the rest of the match would be 9v9, but there were no further goals. We followed up an emphatic 4-1 away win at Hull in the Premier League in April 2010 with a hat-trick of away wins in the Championship in the next three seasons, starting with a 1-0 win in March 2011, in which loney Nathan Delfonso scored the only goal of the game. Five goals were scored in the match in November 2011, but we're going to keep details of that game back for our memory match feature. And then in November 2012, Dean Marnie, who was now in Burnley colours, scored against his old club as Burnley came away with another 1-0 win. Our last visit to Hull in the Championship was on Boxing Day 2015 and was an uncharacteristic 3-0 defeat. However, Sean Dyche's side used the disappointment of that defeat as an impetus to go 23 unbeaten for the remainder of the season and gain automatic promotion as champions. So after a poor start, Burnley's record in away second-tier matches at Hull has improved and reads as follows. Played 22, won 8, drawn 5 and lost 9, with 26 goals for and 36 against. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Moving on, regular listeners will, of course, know that we like to preview our opposition celebrity fans. Um, it's just a little bit of fun. We have a league table of what we score our celebrity fan points on. Um, some have been easier than others. And we had a little bit of furore last week because um, Dave Roberts bent his usual very rigid rules and allowed a great big giant pie to come on the previous show. So, OK, let's see what nuggets he has for us today. Before we get on to Dave's shortlist, um, Tom, did you know of any whole fans off the top of your head? Celebrity fans? Uh, no, none sprang to mind. I did wonder if maybe like a cream-coloured post box again or something based on the He's definitely definitely given us some really strict rules on celebrity fans. He says that anybody who's a chairman or owns the club are not allowed to be a fan, so Dealey is out, and we had that whole debate about Elton John. Um, they also need to be living, so uh, apparently a pulse is a prerequisite for getting into the shortlist. But despite that, great big giant mascot pies are allowed. So do you know what, listeners? I give up with Dave. Dave is just rogue and he can do whatever he wants because we love him and he can just set his own rules. Let's see what he's picked for us for Hull City's most famous celebrity fans. Coming in at number one, John Prescott, Lord, former Hull MP and Deputy Prime Minister. We all know who he is. At number two, Tom Courtenay, who's a veteran actor on film, TV and the stage, uh, appeared in Billy Liar and Dr. Shivago. That might be a little bit before our time, Tom. Um, Sunita, the singer and TV personality. Good grief. Where has this gone this week? Uh, At number four, Rob Palmer, the football commentator, who also follows Dave on Twitter, apparently, which may be a first for this feature. Ah, see. You're always going to, if you can follow Dave on Twitter, you're always going to make it into his shortlists. Uh, coming in at number, what are we on? Number five, Sarah Beanie, broadcaster and property guru. I've just been watching her program, Sarah Beanie Escapes to the Country. So it's not Escape to the Chateau, that's all I will say. And finally, at number six, Roy North, an actor, presenter, Mr. Roy, who is Basil Brush's companion. That is some list, Tom. How are you rating that out of 10, please? I think, uh, unlike some of the previous weeks, I've actually heard of most of those, which is uh, which is a bonus. Yeah, it um, is. I wouldn't like Dave to get unfollowed on Twitter by Rob Palmer. So for that reason, I'll give it a solid six. Solid six. Do you know what? 
I'm going to moderate that at a six because that is exactly where I thought that was going as well. I, I take issue with the inclusion of Sunita. I'm going to fact check him on that one because that to me feels no. I just don't think I don't think that's going to be in there. But you know, I, I'll, I'll question him. I'll wait until he's done his preview show for the next game before I uh, <laughs> before I count him on. So I don't want him to take. The, I don't want him to go on strike. There's enough strike action going on. Let's uh, let's not have Dave Dave Roberts on strike as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there you go. Um, Hull, you are coming in at six out of ten for your famous celebrity fans, and it's back over now to the preview show studio for Dave, who's going to give us this week's memory match. This week's memory match took place on the 26th of November 2011 and must surely rank as one of the most impressive Burnley comebacks in an away game in recent times. Eddie Howe's Clarets faced a whole city side which had Nick Barnby as caretaker manager, following the departure of Nigel Pearson earlier that month. Barnby was still on the playing staff at this time, although he did not play in this match. The home side got off to a good start and were 1-0 up after just 11 minutes when Matty Fryatt finished with a close-range shot past Lee Grant. It remained 1-0 at the break, but it was that man again, Matty Fryatt, who advanced into the box and beat Lee Grant with a powerful angle shot, although the Burnley keeper should really have stopped it. With only 12 minutes remaining, Burnley still trailed by two goals, but this was when the Clarets' comeback began. A long free kick into the box eventually fell to Ross Wallace, who crossed for David Edgar to finish with a close-range header to pull one back. And Burnley were level just four minutes later, as a long throw-in found substitute Sam Vokes, who headed the ball on for David Edgar, to hook in an equaliser. Both Burnley goals had come from a most unlikely source, but the 747 travelling Burnley fans didn't care, and were delighted that we had seemingly earned a draw and a point but the best was yet to come. In the third minute of added time, Burnley skipper Chris McCann played the ball to Jay Rodriguez, who, from just inside the box, finished with a perfectly placed low shot into the far side of the net for a late, late winner. A defeat would have seen Burnley drop into the bottom three, but the unlikely comeback win ensured that we climbed up to 16th to begin a move up the table in the right direction. And your opposition view this week is provided by Two Hollenbach Podcast. Here's what they had to say ahead of this week's fixture. Hi there, it's uh, Ant from the Two Hollenbach Podcast and thanks for having me on. Um, Hull City season's been a weird one, really. First half of the season under Shotter Avaladzi and um, obviously a huge turnaround of players in the summer. Um, we never really got going. Um, we had a huge injury list. We're even signing players that were injured and despite starting okay, I think we were joint top of the league after the first four or five games, winning our first three at home and, and, and drawing away, including obviously at Turf Moor. Um, and then a, a couple of injuries to key players like um, Aliar and Tete, they all started to go downhill. Um, you know, the, the squad just looked disorganised. Every game we was getting beat 2 or 3 nil easily, conceding set pieces not really offering much threat whatsoever, not really having any shots on target. Um, it was very worrying and, 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 you know, we were in a relegation fight, but <clears throat> since Rosini has come in, phenomenal turnaround. We had the worst division in uh, defence in the league. Um, under Avaladze, I think, conceding 35, 37 goals or something like that in 18 games. And since Rosini has come in, we've got the third best defence in the league. 
you know, he's made us hard to beat. We're a lot more organised, try and play out from the back. Um, you know, the, the, the players tend to put themselves on the line a bit more. We're throwing ourselves in the way of shots and the, the team just look invigorated and, and, and re-energised, um, which has been good. Um, obviously, we've reintroduced Sean McLaughlin into the back four, who fans have been crying out for for the beginning of the season. Um, and he's really helped. Uh, yeah, it's been a very weird season. You know, if we'd have started with Rosinio, I think we've only lost four times in the 19 games he's been in charge. But if we'd have started the season with him, uh, you know, we could maybe have been challenging the top six. Um, but it, it makes us excited for next season, I suppose, and, and, and to what we can do with some players that he brings in in summer. Because um, at the minute, you know, he's showing his tactical news. He's very... Uh, honest about performances, he's, he's he's showing his man management skills, he's showing his varied uh, variation in tactics, and he's getting us through games, he's, he's, he's been a very good coach. Um, I think Gary Achilles' heels obviously putting the back, ball in the back of the net, but he had some job to try and turn around our, our defensive frailties, and he's done that, so credit to him. Uh, I think Wednesday night is a bit of a free hit, isn't it? Um, pretty much every every side in the Championship will say the same thing. Um, Burnley are just done literally the next league above us, aren't they? They're just... A phenomenal team, play a phenomenal way, um, create so many chances that even if you put 10% of your, your chances away, you've scored three goals kind of thing. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, defensively we can continue to be strong and resolute and maybe get a bit of a smash and grab um, set-piece goal and have something to hold on to kind of thing. But we'll, we'll definitely go into the game trying to be positive. We're seven unbeaten at home. Um, you know, we're kind of in mid-table, can't go up, can't go down. Um, so it's one of those free-hit games where there's no real pressure. We can go on and try and show what we can do. Uh, look to frustrate Burnley and, and and take a chance or two. Oh, and score prediction. Um, I will go for a two two one Burnley win. Yeah, thank you. Let's hit you with some referee information then, please. Tim Robinson of Bognor Regis has been somewhat of a lucky omen for Burnley. This will be the fifth Burnley match he has taken charge of and the Clarence have won all of the other four. We like that stat. The first two were prior to this season and resulted in home victories against Rotherham United, which was in 2016, and Newcastle in 2019. The latter was the first time he had been appointed to take charge of a Premier League match. Tim Robinson's other two Burnley matches were both away wins from the current season and both finished 4-2 to the Clarets. We beat Sunderland by that scoreline in the league last October and repeated it at Bournemouth in the FA Cup in January. No red cards were shown during any of the previous occasions. He has refereed our matches. Dave, he likes his referee stats and he does. You can always tell when he gives when he's happy with the referee because they get a very nice write-up. You always, you always tell them there's a bit of an undercurrent with Dave. Um, it's not going to be an easy game away at Hull. Um, a bit of a funny one, this one. They've literally got nothing to play for. They are nowhere near the relegation battle. Um, actually, I think the bottom two, three, will be the ones that do go down. Um, they're not in contention for the playoffs at all. Uh, about as mid-table as you can get. Uh, they do score quite a lot of goals, Dave. Um, Dave, sorry, I called you Dave then, Tom. Uh, 41 goals this season. I'm calling the preview show the preview shoe, and Tom is Dave. That's, that's your quiz question this week, listeners, to um, unravel the enigma that is this podcast. Uh, Mid-table, they've scored 41 goals, uh, which, interestingly, is quite similar to um, some of the 
playoff teams. So uh, some of the teams like Luton's, etc., who are very much in the mix for top six, have scored 42, 43, 44 goals. So that's quite a lot for a team that's only finished uh, mid-table. Their problem is conceding. They've actually conceded 49, which is quite high. Um, bearing all that in mind, Tom, what are we expecting? Um, they're just playing for pride. Do you think that it will be stubborn? Do you think it will be easy? What do you What do you think? I think I won't pretend to be an expert on Hull, but um, from what I've seen of them this season, I think I think Rosinia looks like he's got the makings of, of a decent manager. Um, yeah, agree. I think they, they had a good upturn when he came in, and I think, like you say, I think they pulled themselves out of the relegation battle, and yeah. now they're in mid-table. The season's kind of over for them, so the the form seems to have dropped off a bit in recent weeks. Um, and I'm thinking they're going to be a team who's you know, that a lot of the teams we've played recently are like 10 men behind the ball and just play for a nil-nil. They don't need to do that because it, you know, that they don't need to, they don't desperately need the points for anything in particular. I think Rosinia is a, a manager who wants to play like good passing football. And I think that'll suit us, to be honest. So I'm hoping that that kind of style plays into our hands a little bit. They won't be too defensive um, because although we have pretty much got the league and that sewn up, we do want the points towards it. Perhaps they're even thinking about breaking this record. So, I think our needs greater than theirs. We've got a better side, so I'm expecting us to, to go there and get three points. Are you expecting a lot of goals or are you expecting it to be an unusual one-goal win? I think uh, you mentioned uh, earlier about how we kind of slow the game down and control it a little bit and it's not always good and ho. And I think with it being a midweek game and we've got obviously a big game on Saturday to look forward to in the FA Cup, yeah. I think the thinking will be get the points but if we go one or two nil up I think it'll be a case of just stroking it around keeping the ball and just keeping it tight at the back and not letting them get too many chances so I don't see us scoring four or five I think it'll be a, a nice controlled performance and hopefully maybe something like a two nil win just just yeah. comfortable and making sure everyone's fret and fish for fret and fish I'm, oh, you've infected me now. <laughs> the Saturday <laughs> We've just given Matt the title of this week's podcast for sure. Um, it, it is. It's. I think it's because I'm really excited. I'm really pumped up, and and we get into the business end of the season, and I'm all giddy, and and I talk really quickly when I get giddy, which is quite unfortunate for a podcast host because I'm talking at a million miles an hour, and then I trip over my words because my my mouth is running quicker than my brain is. Um, yeah, I'm going to take two nil as your prediction. I'm going to match that. That's exactly what I thought the prediction was going to be this week. Um, bearing in mind that we do have the big game at the weekend and it is a midweek game and it is the end of the season and we're all very, very tired. Does he have any temptation to rotate any of the squad or does he just stick with the same starting eleven and look to bring the second strike force of Obafemi and Foster on at some point? I think uh, if, if it was me, I think I'd quite like to rest players for the FA Cup game. Um, you know, it's yeah, not every season we get that far and we have got the lead. Let's be realistic. We have got the lead title sewn up. If we lose this yes. game, thank job. you. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, we we could lose the next four and we'd still be in pole positions to win it. You know, so that I, I if it was me, I'd be tempted just to rest a few. You, you know, I wouldn't make eleven changes, but like you said, maybe give Foster or Obafemi a start. Rest Teller, I think for sure. Rest Sorori, maybe. Um, maybe even rest Cullen and play Cork. Um, but. I don't know if company will do that. I think it'll probably be more a case of play the best team, try and get the game sewn up within an hour or so, and then start rotating, which is like, you know, as we have done in some of the previous home games. So, uh, yeah, I don't think he'll rest that many, but 
I'm hoping that he does. To be honest, I, I would quite like us to to put to put our eggs in the Man City basket this this week. Yeah, me too. I think that's just a really exciting fixture. And like I say, even though we were all a little bit deflated when we got the worst possible draw we could have done um, when we got through to quarterfinal, it is a quarterfinal, and for most of it, it's the first time we've ever seen. The Clarets, uh, not most of us actually. For a lot of us, it's the first time we've seen the Clarets that far in the in the FA Cup. You know me; I every single season I say how much I would love a, a cup run. Um, so yeah, I agree. It'd be just be nice to see us go and compete. And I think also as well, all eyes are going to be on this game, particularly with Pep opening his mouth and saying that Vincent Company will manage City one day. It's like, are you kidding me? Shut up! Like we don't need that added pressure, and if we we've got a couple of key players out injured anyway, um, so it would have been nice if we'd have had Benson, Zorori, Brownhill, Court, Cullen, you know those, and and um, with Barnes and Teller up front, it would have just been nice to really put a full strength out. Would have been great. Actually, I don't know would Taylor Howard Bell has been allowed to play. Not sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, just irrespective of all of that, I just would like us to go and give a good showing so that people who have just not paid any attention to the championship this season go, God, is the championship really crap? Like, how have they got to the top of the championship? So we'll look at that another day. Um, before we move on, we're going to leave you with Dave's miscellaneous stat of the week. He has once again delved deep into those pockets of his and pulled out this little nugget for you. The 3-0 win over Wigan took our tally of goals against the Latics to eight for the season on the back of the 5-1 away win in August. This was the first time that Burnley had scored eight or more goals in the league against any opponent in a single season since the turn of the millennium. You have to go back to the 97-98 season when Chris Waddle was the manager. Um, For the last time, Burnley managed eight or more league goals against a single team in a single campaign. We lost 3-1 at York City, but won the reverse fixture 7-2, taking our tally to 8. But we had to wait another 25 years to match this feat. There you go. What a start. Um, we don't have an update from the known and ever FPL this week because we're still in the middle of game week 27. So we will look to bring you another update later on. But instead, we're going to leave this week's show with a quiz question, which is brought to you as follows. Earlier on, we mentioned that Burnley had scored eight goals against one team in the same league season, with Wigan Athletic becoming the first team to experience this against Burnley since York City in 97-98. Can you tell us the last team to concede an aggregate of 10 or more league goals against Burnley in a league season? Who were our opponents and what was the season? Gosh, that's a bit of a stinker. Um, I don't think I'd even know where to start. Um, You can uh, leave a comment in our YouTube channel underneath this video. You can tweet us at known and ever. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page. Or for those of you who like to write, you can email us at previewshow at knownandever.net. I do like it when we get our emails. They are... um, they are great emails. Um, oh, actually, I've just realised, speaking of emails, I feel like I might have inadvertently forgotten to give somebody a quiz question. Uh, I feel like we got an email with somebody giving the quiz question. We did. It isn't right. Sorry, Stuart Parkinson sent us an email, asked me the answer, and it wasn't right. Phew. That would have been massively awkward if I'd have forgotten him. Um, that is all we have time for this show. Thank you for sticking with us. We've looked back at that amazing win against Wigan and we are looking ahead to another midweek fixture in the AFL against Hull. It is getting tantalisingly closer, listeners. 
in just a few short weeks, we will be having a celebration on the football show and the podcast celebrating Burnley's return to the Premier League and hopefully the lifting of a silly transfer embargo. But that's one for another day. Uh, I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Never football show and podcast. Until next time. The Known and Never podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill, and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are, as ever, proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.